Welcome to What If. I'm your host, Karim Osakny, and today we've got Xavier Sa Saras with us. Xavier, welcome. Hey, Karim. Xavier uh, has been a very good friend of mine, also a business partner. He is a serial agency entrepreneur, angel investor, and uh, experienced economy expert. What is an experienced economy expert? That's a very, very good question. Um, an experienced economy expert is a person like me who has been dealing for over 25 years with building experiences for large corporates and um, has realized that driving value as a company comes from providing amazing experiences to customers, to consumers, to employees. It's that experience that forms a culture. Um, and to, in today's world, experience has become like a currency. If you want to earn euros, dollars, RMBB, whatever you would like to earn, then your return currency is not just a product or a service. It is the, the, ex, the experience you're providing with those products and services. Um, and in the same way, um, if you want to have great people working for you, the experience you provide to them is the currency you have in exchange for intrinsic motivation by them. Um, so what is the expert was your question. I've built an expertise in creating, strategizing, conceptualizing, and implementing experiences uh, that answer the needs of the experience economy. I see. What was like the last time you had like the most amazing experience? It was uh, a perfect espresso this morning. Made by yourself? No, I don't make espressos because <laughs> then it doesn't turn out to be an amazing experience. <laughs> okay. It was actually at one of my favorite Italian places downtown. Oh, okay. What made it so good? Was it the quality or the whole experience from getting into the store and uh, the coffee place? And... Well, in this case, it is also the place. Uh, it's a place I'm used to. It's a place where you, you're greeted with a smile. Uh, you're being asked what you would like to have. You have a nice space to sit. They don't talk too much, but they talk enough mm -hmm. for you to feel comfortable. And then you're just served an espresso in a perfect creamy state in just the right roast, in just the right temperature to drink it. And I'm sure you've had enough espressos that tasted like SHIT and they tasted like SHIT just because they were too hot, not creamy enough, too sour, too whatever. There was just too much about it. Um, so yes, I would say like 90% of the experience was the taste mm -hmm. because it was an espresso. Uh, but uh, about 10% was also the surrounding. Okay. And in your, I think, 26 years of work experience, mm. what was the kind of brand or company that you had a as a client, for example, or that you worked for that had a great work experience? Before me coming in or after? <laughs> um, well, you know, I've worked for so many large corporates that I would say it is very, very hard to say that any of them had an amazing work experience. I, I do think that the, the companies such as Google, etc., especially in their early days, created that movement of providing uh, a more home away from home experience for their co-workers. Um, I don't think that I actually had the chance to work for a company like that. So I've, it's more uh, examples I've seen out there that, that work like that. I, well, I, I truly believe that we as an agency, or the ones that I ran, um, provided such experiences um, and, and made work 
uh, a more fun place to be, a more lively place to be, a more social place to be, a more spiritual place to be. I think those components count a lot. Um, I myself didn't work for any companies that I would rank in there. I see. Okay. Then let's imagine now we would um, build a great experience for a new product that we just created. Mm. So, um, for example, like the glasses that you're wearing, right? Let's imagine oh, yeah. you created a new brand, glasses. Yeah. How would you build a great experience for a product like glasses? Mm. Well, first of all, I, I need, like in any marketing situation, you need to start by understanding who you're making these glasses for. Right? Choose your target. Mm -hmm. um, once you understand the target, you can then go into their needs. What are, what are their needs around glasses? Um, are there needs around glasses to just see right? Or are there needs around glasses to have a viewing experience? Mm. Um, and you also wear glasses. So um, I think the, the core needs of somebody who wears glasses um, are around, do I want to wear the same pair of glasses every time? So variety could be an element of creating the right glasses experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and uh, you startup entrepreneurs out there, this might be a great idea, uh, subscription business on glasses. So uh, like you can collect razor blades uh, and get a subscription for razor blades. You could also get a subscription for glasses. Why not, right? So I could, I could maybe subscribe to a glass subscription and then I get a new pair of glasses every two months or every three months. The old one gets collected. It's always on the same kind of um, vision item. That could be part of an experience, so creating a vision club, for example. Or the other experience we could be providing is this whole, like, how do I receive this pair of glasses? What box does it come in? What is the tissue that's with it? Do I get a fresh pack of cleaners um, every, like, four weeks? Um, is there something that um, comes with it in terms of, like, a fashion consulting statement? What, for, for what occasion do I wear what types of glasses? What does this do with my personality? Um, how does a, a pair of glasses influence the way I'm seen out there? How do I want to act as a person wearing glasses? Glasses not only become a mean to view better, glasses become an accessory. And um, I think we need to really think about the full 360 degrees uh, of how is a pair of glasses being consumed, quote unquote, um, and that's probably how it start building it. And then naturally it comes when mm. you're working on it. Okay, understood. If you now could try to summarize what you said in bullet points, like as a guideline for anyone who wants to create a great um, experience for a new product and for their own brand. Um, I mean, it even probably starts like hearing about them for the first time, right? Um, about that brand, mm. that kind of experience. Mm. Or um, how would you build a guideline for building a good experience. Just to put it into a few bullet points. So one, first you have to do this, second, third, and so well, it's, it's really not, not such an easy exercise that you're asking because it really okay. depends on where you would sit as mm -hmm. the product and what segment you're in. But let's, let's try to be very generic. And um, I'm supposing that your listeners and our listeners will, will, will forgive me. <laughs> but okay. uh, so part of it is the standard marketing and product process to say, who is your target? What is the consumer group? Who are you building it for? Be clear about your why is the first thing. Right? Mm -hmm. So I am a great fan of Simon Sinek, who starts with why, and that's how I consult everybody that I work with. Are you clear about your why? So if you know that your glasses or your company exists to provide a certain pair of glasses and a certain 
type of vision or whatever it else, whatever else it is, then based on that, you can continue to provide the right experience that corresponds with your why. So you want bullets. So be clear about your target consumer. Be clear about your why. From there, develop the perfect experience that you would like to have with your company. Write it down on paper. Start with how should this product be produced? How should it be packed? How should it be delivered? How should it be received? How should it be unpacked? How should it be worn for the first time? How should it be worn for the second, the third, the fourth, the hundredth, the nth time? What happens in between? How should it be maintained? How should it be uh, repaired if needed? How should it be repurchased? And how do you service while all that is happening? And if you can then look into the mirror once you've completed that and say, this is a goddamn perfect experience, then you've done your job. Nice. Okay. I think that was, was a that good... the bullet? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was good. I think, yeah, I think people can follow on that. I hope so. Um, now let's go into the what if scenario. What if we were able to live in a world of world-class experiences? Mm -hmm. So there would be only world-class experiences. How, wow. would, how would the world look like? <laughs> It'd be like a Fantasia land. Um, well, I think it would be a pretty crazy place, but uh, quite a cool place too, right? So, I mean, if we all imagine that everybody, like everybody, the how many people are we? Seven. Nine, nine billion, seven billion right now, yeah, and seven, nine billion yeah, in like seven, ten eight. years. And yeah. so, if all of these seven billion people truly, genuinely cared as much about experiences as I do, I'm not saying that's a good state to be in, but let's just imagine. What if, right? Yeah. Um, then I think we'd all be having a happier place, a more fun place, a more enjoyable place, a more spiritual place, a more friendly place, uh, definitely a place with less war, um, definitely a place with more sustainability, uh, definitely a place where there is a different set of values. Um, so I think it's almost like a utopia that you're talking about. Uh, but is utopia the right state to be in now? We're getting pretty philosophical. Um, I think to a certain degree, it's almost like when you talk about the six core human needs. Um, is certainty a great place to be? So if you have 100% certainty, yes, that's a great thing. But 100% certainty, like everything is certain, everything is set in stone, no more variety. I think, no, that's not the right place because humans need variety. They need to be surprised. So if you could expect to have always perfect experiences, then we would battle for what is the perfect and better experience. Um, and we need basic experiences. We need basic things. We also need things to fuck up, excuse my French, but if they don't fuck up, then you don't have the comparison to what's perfect, right? So you also need a balance. So I'm not saying that that is a state that we would want to have. Um, but if you asked me on what scale we were right now, like on average in the world, I think we're like at 10%, right? So um, there is space up until the 100. Um, to, to move further, and I encourage everybody to, to work on that. Right. You also mentioned values. Mm. They would change in that kind of scenario. Oh, yeah. In which way? Well, if I wanted, for example, to provide the perfect experience to my customers, and I would only care about the perfect experience, then in my value set, I would need to embody a certain attitude that says, experience first, for example, um, and not uh, profitability or um, any other values. So I do think that 
if you want to provide a perfect experience to somebody, values need to be integrated, such as happiness, such as gratitude, such as thankfulness, such as respect, such as um, joy. All of these values are values that correlate with a great experience versus seriosity, professionalism, uh, et cetera, right? So yeah. maybe not coming up with the right ones. I'm not saying that these are bad values. Right. They are values that fit certain types of businesses, but your question was, what if we switched mm. over? And I do think that the value set would just need to change because otherwise you can't get the focus on, on providing these great experiences. Yeah, I think that that kind of values you mentioned and that kind of scenario, I think the country where so far had the best experiences in general as a, a customer and restaurants place I, I just went for uh, sleeping and whatever was Japan. Mm -hmm. I think and the, the correlation between having great experiences and having a great set of values that I personally appreciate, like respect and thankfulness, all came together there, right? Correct. I mean, the Japanese are very disciplined, right? So discipline mm -hmm. certainly is also a part of that. I mean, right. just looking at the bullet points I, I, I dictated earlier on, or you asked me to, to bring down, um, if you can't like go through 360 degrees in a very disciplined way, your experience chain is going to break. And if right. your experience chain breaks, then the full experience is in jeopardy, mm. right? So you need to be disciplined also to provide that perfect experience. And I think the Japanese uh, are probably the most disciplined country mm. that exists. So. Right. But if you also look then on the downside, there's also a high rate of suicide and depression and all those kind of topics in that kind of scenario mm. where they felt pressured to always deliver great experiences. Um, how do you see that? And how could we change that scenario into a world where it's not about perfect experiences, but we learn, okay, having great experiences are beneficial, uh, but without having the downside of um, that kind of things that I mentioned in Japan, for example. So I like your thesis that providing great experiences leads to suicide. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can you have your answer. What if we only had a place of great experiences? Well, we'd all die because uh, we'd kill ourselves. Okay. Um, no, but leaving that apart, um, mm -hmm. I think the question you're opening up right now is not the question is providing great experiences potentially suicidal. I think that the level of perfectionism mm. that Japanese people have and the way it's ingrained in their culture uh, lasting long, 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 long back and the way that they treat themselves when they don't reach that level of perfectionism um, leads to this suicidal state. And I think the Japanese are probably very disciplined and great at delivering services to others versus delivering a great experience to themselves, mm. right? So what rates high in their, in their value is how am I perceived? Mm. How do I deliver to somebody else? Am I living up to the expectation, et cetera, right. et cetera? But they don't come first themselves, right? So if your own experience is first on your ranking, I don't think that that will lead to suicide. More the opposite, if right. you care about creating your life experience the way you want and think you deserve it. Mm. And if you perceive experience as not being something that's happening to you, but that you're making happen, right. then we have no issue with suicide. Oh, that's a very interesting point. How do you make sure that you create a great experience for yourself? Like, How do you treat yourself well in that 
regard. I need to quote somebody I truly admire, not, not making any advertising, but um, Tony Robbins is, is one of my favorite life coaches and, and transformers, I call them. Um, and um, he says two things, um, physiology and psychology. Okay. And those are two things that are predominant for how you can change the way you experience your life. If you take care of having the right physiology, so take care of your body, make sure you understand your body, make sure that you put it in an active state, in a, in a, in a, in a good shape, in something you're proud of, in something that you feel is yours. Um, that's the first bit. If you can get yourself awake, if you can get yourself to, to eat in a way that you feel energized, you are going to change the way you act, but you're also going to change the way you perceive things and things that are happening to you will be perceived differently. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had that experience to like at lunchtime during the week, you said, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna eat this pasta. And you eat a whole bowl of pasta, right. let's say carbonara, right. just to make it like extreme. What happens right after? You feel tired, dizzy, etc because you've got so many carbs in you that your brain goes on silent mode. Mm. What do you do afterwards? You like drink three coffees that sugar you up, sugar you down, et cetera, and all of a sudden you eat sweets. Mm. But you get a headache, you have to eat lots of water, uh, drink lots of water, and what happens in the five hours after that? Will you perceive your conversations differently than if you had kept yourself clean at lunch, had a great salad, you're fresh, you had a green tea afterwards. I'm not saying that's the right diet for everybody, I'm just making an example. Right, right. But the way you perceive these five hours will be hugely different. And the way you interact with people will be hugely different if you look at your physiology. So that's one aspect. The other is psychology. If you get up every day and fill your head with anxiety about what's to come and, oh, is this going to go right? Oh, uh, oh, God, this meeting is coming up. I'm like so scared of it. Whatever else, you could... If you take the different approach and say, hey, I've got this meeting coming, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow them away. I'm gonna do what's right for me. And if you use incantations to do that in the morning, or even if it's just in your brain and your thoughts, that is part of psychology, how you will address your life. And just getting into, um, let's say, a mode where you just know for yourself and tell yourself every day, this is not happening to me, I'm making it happen. You will change your experience. You, you, you're seeing I can babble on forever on this Absolutely. topic. It just gets me going just because it's so interesting. Yeah, but, I yes. can see that you're passionate about it. I'm super passionate about it. Uh, regarding the second thing that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, I've read somewhere that actually repetition is the language of the brain. Yes. Couldn't uh, agree more. And regarding the second thing, so do you actually work on that mental state uh, um, mindset? of Every day. Okay. Every day. All right. There is not a day in the week I don't do this. Okay. So I have a morning routine uh, and my little kids have, have helped me. So I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old mm. have helped me come to that routine just because I'm just like dead tired at 10 p.m. So I go, almost go to bed right after them uh, and I get up at five. Right. And the first hour between five and six is just morning routine. Uh, and that's about physiology. It's about psychology. It's about mental clearness. It's about incantations. It's about the right statement. Uh, it's about putting myself in the right state for the day. It's about being clear what I want to achieve. It's about being clear about my master plan. That is a key to having a great experience every day. Right. Okay. So you're actually also going after peak performance to a certain distinct, right? Yeah. Just because peak performance makes me feel better, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, 
for me, my life is about like getting all the things done I want to get done in my life. So peak performance is part of, uh, is an enabler to creating the best life experience for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the, the, the term peak performance almost sounds a bit Japanese, like we were talking. Yeah. So it, it puts pressure. Right. So I, I would rather replace peak performance by best possible state. Okay. If I put myself in the best possible state, I will be performing at my peak. Right. But to say peak performance is almost like saying be perfect. Right. If, at least that's how I perceive mm -hmm. it, right? Or how it could be perceived by some people. I think it's not about forcing yourself to be performing at peak all the time. It's about getting into the best state possible. And when you're in the best state possible psychologically and physiologically, then you will be performing at your peak automatically. Understood. Um, regarding the first thing about the body that you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. um, would you say in order to create a great experience for yourself, you have to respect yourself first? I would even say you have to love yourself. Like, okay. I, mean, but I, I mean, this is not me talking, right? This, it's, it's not a secret. Uh, you want to fall in love with somebody, love yourself first, right? Because otherwise you're never going to attract the person that is worthy uh, and that you're worthy of, right? So know your worth and be clear about your worth and from love comes respect, right? If you love somebody, you will respect that person. So right. love yourself, be in love with yourself. Right. Not in a narcissistic way. Sure. We're not talking about narcissism here. We're talking about true deep love. Yeah? Uh, we, we could also talk about inner child. Uh, I, I didn't think that we were going to go so psychologically, but <laughs> fine. Um, your inner child within you is the most holy thing you can hold. So every right. day, hug that inner child, love that inner child, make yep. sure that you're protecting that inner child, and then that's where it all starts. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I want to make the bridge now to this part that you mentioned, to looking at experiences that I receive at calling the hotline of a big corporate company, for example, where you're like in a waiting line for 30 minutes. You're referring to telecommunications. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, you're good. <laughs> you know the experience game. Uh, versus getting the experience that I get from a company, and I'm, I don't work for them, but I re really like their uh, customer service. I'm strikingly, it's like a website where you can build websites. Yeah. They're responding within, I don't know, usually one hour yeah. by email. Yeah. They're super fast, super friendly, always taking care of you. And that experience made me actually suggest that tool to a lot of other friends of without benefiting of it. Of course. Um, and if we really want to change the world to better experiences for all of society, um, would you say that then people actually need to spend more time with themselves, understand what is good for their body and also for their mental state um, in order to actually understand good experiences. So do we have to do more inner work first before we can go into that what-if scenario world? That's a great question. Now, um, picking up on mindfulness trends, etc., yeah, we have a trend towards mindfulness because I think the entire world is in the need of focusing more on themselves individually. So if we look at the swarm uh, that's building out there, um, the more cells are in the right state, the better the organism. Yeah? So uh, if we look at each person in these organizations being a cell in an organism, then of course, if they can get themselves to listen to their experience hearts, I would say, and make sure that they're not just 
like robots, right? Um, performing a service catalog that they've been told to service, um, but actually use empathy um, to propulse themselves into this situation, then they are going to provide a better service, that's for sure. And I'm sure you've also had the experience that after you've waited 30 minutes in that telecommunications hotline, that you end up like, like super pissed off because you've had this robot talk to you like, just wait another five seconds and we'll be with you. But that happens for 30 minutes. But you know, yeah. if you're not going to wait until the end, you're not going to get your service done and you won't get that request going. But at the end, you have like two or three different ending points. One ending point is this person that is not empath empathic, that hasn't thought about the experience at all, that's just performing the service catalog and tells you after half an hour you've been waiting, sorry, sir, we can't do this for you. And then you're going to freak out. You're going to yell at that person. And that person will just be stoic and not react and be a robot. Mm. Or you'll have the other person that really can't fix your problem, but at least is going to say, dear Kareem, I'm really, really, really sorry. I would love to help you. However, this is not going to work, but I can give you advice on how you can best work with our company and what you need to do mm. in order to make it happen. Now, the overall experience hasn't much changed, but at least the outcome and the way you're left with it has changed. And why has that changed? Because the individual person has decided to be empathic about your situation. And that person has been trained to do so, mm. right? Because these companies don't train you to, to have these nuances. They just put in a guideline, be nice to the customer, mm. right? Awesome. But they don't think about the actual experience that's being provided. So to give you an answer to your question, <laughs> really short answer, uh, is yes, I do strongly believe that everybody should go into their inner selves and be clear about the experiences they want to feel, and then they can provide much better experiences. Okay, because then they probably will also appreciate a great experience. Otherwise, they might even not know what that is, a great experience, if they don't have spent some time on working with themselves. On those if, if you don't work with yourself and on yourself, then you don't know what to expect from life. And if you don't know right. what to expect from life and, and don't appreciate that life is a great place and mm. life is, a, uh, is an amazing range of opportunity, um, then you're not willing to experience it to the fullest. And if you're not willing sure. to experience it to the fullest, you can't get anyone else to do that. Sure. And now um, to look into the experience economy and mm. what that means for young startup companies, for big corporations, mm. organizations uh, in all segments and industries, which role will a better experience play for them in order to compete with all the competition that, that's out there in mm. the next one, two, three, five years? Well, I think that, um, first of all, we need to reframe the experience economy. Um, so just to loop back just a little bit, the experience economy is the current economy we live in. We're moving into the knowledge economy. However, currently, experience is still predominant. So what does that mean? Experience is, as I said earlier, a, a currency. A currency that you give in exchange for money, right? Money being currencies out there. Um, what's happening right now is that companies that have been set up newly, so mobile banking platforms or audio services or um, flight engines, flight search engines, um, and, 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 and. So all these new companies, may, maybe also services that, that help you find different places to live in when you go to another city, et cetera. You, can you tell how hard I'm having, not to sure. mention the names of the companies, uh, but I guess <laughs> everyone knows who I'm talking about. These companies have been built and are hugely successful for just one reason. They have been designed and tailored to the needs of an experience economy participant. 
And if you're an old company that, of course, is struggling with structures and 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 organizational processes and compliance issues and and governance and huge organizations and and people working for them and products and services that are set and it's hard to untwingle and un unwind that organization to quickly become a company that is catered towards experience needs. So yes, the startups, um, quote unquote, that have been designed to meet the needs of the experience economy have a huge competitive advantage just because clients and customers and consumers will be more inclined to have the better experience with them. Mm. So it's about catching up on that and really proving as, a, as an old corporate, let's call it, that you care about this experience. And you will see if you look into like marketing media, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of companies are now installing heads of customer experiences in their marketing teams, are caring about the customer experience journey, are starting to build data points to understand the customer journey better. So this is all the trend that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, will it be fast enough? Don't know. Um, clearly, there are a lot of companies that have an advantage, but there are still a lot of also older companies that are moving and, okay. and changing the way they address it. Fantastic. Um, so we are now coming to our last question. For anyone who wants to create a better experience, for anyone who wants to create a better experience, ten percent better experience, mm -hmm. and someone wants to create a ten times better experience, what mm -hmm. do they have to do? You saved the best question for last. Um, That's what we always ask that question. That that question? Yeah. Okay. So I need to I need to listen to your podcast <laughs> to get a better experience at answering these questions. No worries. Um, well, first of all, ten percent more. I wouldn't go for that. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, that's a so, good answer. So yeah, so that's how to cross out one part of the answer, right? Ten ten percent is just not good enough. Okay. Um, if you aim for ten percent, you'll end up at two, right? So okay. end up at wait, uh, like go for more right. and then end up at ten. Okay. Okay. So, but if you if you if we look at ten x um, or just a lot more, um, be uber disciplined about analyzing the experience you're currently providing. You need to know where you're starting from. If you don't know exactly where you're starting from and what's happening in your company, in your service, in your product, in all these bullet points that we had earlier on, mm -hmm. then you don't know where to start. So that's the first step. Once you know at every single point of that experience journey how good you are and you're ranking right. yourself, let's say on a zero to 10 scale, um, then you can very, very easily define where you want to improve and what you can improve to then 10x that. So mm. uh, since we have probably a, an average of 12 to 15 touch points on that experience journey and elements that, that, that can improve it, it's actually fairly easy if you use compounding, right? If you use compounding and improve every single one, let's say by 30 or 40%, then the whole thing just blasts away. Mm. Uh, but the single best trick is to say, what if, if I can quote you. So what if I could is the question you need to ask yourself. Often it's about asking the right questions. So what would I need to do to my product for it to be a 10x experience? How would that need to be? Uh, and I can quote uh, Tony Robbins again. Uh, he does something that's called the quality quantifier. Mm -hmm. And he, he basically says, like, the worst meal you've ever had like, mm -hmm. and that you would never want to have again in your life, and you rate it at minus 10, what would you need to do to that meal mm -hmm. 
to make it a plus 10 experience that you absolutely cannot resist and want to have every day. Right. So let's just imagine that, um, um, what's, your, what's your least favorite meal, Kareem? I'm asking a question back in your podcast, I like that. <laughs> My least favorite meal, that's a good Something one. you would just never want to eat again. Um, I think there is a, a salted meat that uh, I've known in the Afghan cuisine and every time... Kidney? No, it's like very salted uh, and, it, and the meat is standing there for two days or something. So it really dries out. Right. And that smell, I hate it. When I know that my mom is doing it, for example, I'm not even coming to her house for one day or something because the whole, whole house will smell like that. I appreciate all the other meals that my mom does. I love it. But I think that meal is something I... I so that's like a minus 10. You yes. never, ever want to touch it again. No, no. What if, Kareem, you wanted that to be a plus 10? You want to eat it every day. You cannot live without <laughs> it. What would I need to do to the salted meat done by your mom? I think you would need to get rid of the smell. Okay. And I think you would need to get and make it, uh, yeah, maybe the smell. Actually, it, it doesn't taste that bad, but that smell is something. That, so we need to get rid of the smell. Yeah, that's the one thing. Do we need to put sauce with it? Probably. Okay. Do we need to add sides? I think so. Okay. Would we need to serve it to you on a special day? No, no maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Would we need to do anything else to it for it to be a plus 10? You would love to have this every day. We've reduced the smell. We've taken it away. We put the sauce to it. We've got sides to it. Anything else? I think that I would be fine with that then already. Is that a plus 10? Yeah, I would be a more. Every day? I'm not sure I would eat meat every day, but it would probably be something I could then... Add a chocolate dessert with it? <laughs> That's something more, right? Aha. Uh -huh. yeah. What have we just done? We've gone from minus 10 to plus 10. Yeah. So on percentages, minus 100% right. to plus 100. Is right, that right. 10x for you? Yeah. There you Absolutely. go. But just to say to you, mom, in case you're listening, I love your food and all my friends love your food. It's just that one meal that's known in the Afghan cuisine. A lot of people don't like it. But. Hey, Kareem's mom, I, I haven't experienced your food yet. I'd <laughs> love to. This is a standing invitation that I'm inviting myself to. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, man. Uh, I also want to just say here, I highly appreciate your friendship and working with you together. I think that one thing that I love about you is your creative thinking and your analytical thinking coming together in a fast-paced way. And I think that is a skill that you always should be aware of, that it's very unique and keep growing on that. So thank you. Thanks, man. Likewise, I'll put it on my LinkedIn profile as of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cheers. Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye.